Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the CIAC cast. I am Joel Cookson. Very happy to have you along with us. think this will be a, an excellent episode of the cast as we've got a great list of guests lined up to talk about some interesting stuff going on in the world of Connecticut high school sports. We're very happy that you have joined us for this edition of the CIC cast. We're going to talk some high school football with Kyle Brennan of the Waterbury Republican American. We're going to talk sportsmanship with uh, Mike DeMuro of the New London Day. And then a little cross-country divisional championship preview with an old friend of mine, Dave Foss, the boys cross country coach at Newtown High School. So a different, uh, few different guests this week, and we're really looking forward to talking to all of those gentlemen about what's going on in the world of Connecticut high school sports. Busy time of year. The first fall championships are right around the corner. We are just a touch over a week away from the divisional cross country championships at Wickham Park. Very excited about that. Very excited that you have decided to join us to hear some chatter about the world of Connecticut high school sports here on the CIAC cast. So looking forward to all of those conversations. Let's get right into it first with our regular feature, Things You Might Have Missed. But before that, look, we share this message with you every time on the CIAC cast, and it simply comes down to this. No distracted driving. Okay, folks, we realize that uh, the phone is tempting. You get in the car, you want to take a look at it, you hear that ping of a text message or a, uh, a chat message, and you want to check it out. Keep the phone stowed away. Just remember that resending or receiving a text takes a driver's eyes from the road for an average of 4.6 seconds. Driving 55 miles per hour, that's the equivalent of traveling the length of an entire football field blind. Please do not text and drive or drive distracted and encourage your friends to and family to park the phone when they are behind the wheel. One text or call could wreck it all. That message, of course, courtesy of our friends at the Connecticut Department of Transportation. Hit play on your CIAC cast. Put your phone away. You'll be a lot better off. Just check it out that way. All right, so we've passed along that. Now let's quickly dive into things you might have missed on CIACsports.com. First of all, we are talking fall sports on this edition of the CIAC cast, but the 2014-15 winter sports schedules have been posted. You can check those out at CIACsports.com. Where's your favorite basketball team? Where's your favorite hockey team? Where's your favorite boys swim team going to be over the course of the winter? Now all of that information is available at CIACsports.com. Take a look. See where everything is going to be taking place. We've also got on CIAC Sports a a recurring feature that we're going to bring out towards the latter half of each sports season, the weekly ratings watch. If you want to start looking ahead to some of the playoffs and, and see who's going to be facing who, who's going to have the top seeds, all of that good stuff. The weekly ratings watch is a good way to keep tabs on all of that, see what teams are moving up and down within the CIAC playoff standings as we head towards the conclusions of the regular season. So that's a good tool for you as well. We've also got results of a CIAC golf coach survey, so you can check that out. Some interesting thoughts on some of the rule changes that were put in place last year and will be in place again uh, this coming spring when the golf coaches and their competitors get back out on the golf course as well. So that's all up there. As always, this time of year in particular, we encourage you to bookmark the Tournament Central page on CIACsports.com. Let's find the link on the upper right-hand corner where it says Tournament Central. That's going to be your best bet for schedules, results, updates, all kinds of good stuff there, as well as 
all sorts of uh, the results and brackets and pairings. Those pairings coming out shortly, believe it or not. So we've got uh, going to be two weeks from today when I believe when we will start uh, posting the tournament pairings for uh, the fall sports. And uh, Tournament Central is where all of those will be found. It's where all the results will be found. Going to be a lot of good stuff there. So you're going to want to bookmark that as well. Also on uh, CIC Sports, keep in mind, we've got starting to get some of our uh, our championship events on the NFHS network. The The championship season is coming up. They will have all of the divisional cross-country championships. Uh, as I mentioned, that will be a week from tomorrow, Saturday the 29th, or excuse me, the 25th of October. The divisional championship meets will all be carried live on the NFHS Network. We hope you will check that out. And this is a good time of year to sign up for a uh, purchase a season pass. You're going to get all of the championship action will be available on the NFHS Network. That's something you may want to look into as well. Of course, you can always follow us on Twitter at CIAC Sports. That's another update place to get good information and good updates. And uh, check us out on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash CIAC Sports. So with all of my normal plugs out of the way, let's dive into our guests. Very happy to bring these folks on this week. think we're going to have some interesting conversations, lots of good stuff to talk about this time of year, as there always is in the world of Connecticut high school sports, but really interesting things to chat about this week. And starting off, there's a big football football game taking place this evening and uh, a lot of good games as well around the the state and uh, this person has a pretty good pulse on what's happening in the world of high school football we're going to talk to kyle brennan of the waterbury republican american on the phone now with Kyle Brennan of the Waterbury Republican American and the NVL football blog as well a uh, a an excellent source on Connecticut high school football and we're very happy to uh, to have him with us Kyle thanks for chatting with us Hey, thanks as always. Good to be back. Always a pleasure to have you. I was, as I was saying that uh, I think you've been on twice, and we've never actually talked high school football with you. So now we've uh, <laughs> we've managed to get you right in your wheelhouse here, as uh, as things are shaping up for for an interesting weekend for you. Obviously, uh, a big game that a lot of people are talking about uh, with Ansonia Newtown teams that you're uh, you're quite familiar with. But wanted to uh, to start off a little bit broader here. Uh, you know, we're uh, roughly halfway or so through the the high school football season this year. So kind of before we get into to what's happening this week, kind of wanted to, to hit on what you think has been happening uh, sort of throughout the, the school year. So sort of general first question, what's sort of been the, the biggest story uh, from your perspective uh, in the high school football landscape this year? I think the biggest sort of overall uh, theme of the season so far is that, you know, who is, the best team in the state this year. I mean, last year we we pretty much had an idea all year mm-hmm. um, of who the number one team was going to be. You know, most folks were either on the Anthony bandwagon or the New Canaan bandwagon pretty much all year. Yep. I mean, so far this year, we're about halfway through the season. You've got Southington, who's undefeated and looks really good with a new quarterback. Uh, most of us are on that bandwagon. But then you've got New Canaan, who's come back stronger than I think most people thought. You've got Ansonia and Newtown. Each of them have uh, some support uh, in the polls as being number one. Mm-hmm. You've got you know teams like Darien and, and St. Joe's who have both had top votes at, at some point. Or uh, yeah, both of those teams at some point this season. So you know it's it's kind of a deal of all right, who is going to sort of emerge? And it's probably going to be a question we deal with even through the end of the season with you know, there being the eight championships this year. Um, you know, we're going to have a lot of ambiguity to some degree at the end of the season. And I've talked to some folks who 
as we go along, it's seeming like maybe we might get a few, but we wouldn't be shocked if maybe there are no undefeated teams at the end of the year, and that's something you rarely get to say around here. Um, you know, as we do go through, Southington's looking really strong. Um, you know, Ansonia Newtown, the winner of, of Friday night's game here, mm-hmm. they look pretty strong going down the stretch. But, you know, it's a fun thing to, to be able to have a little bit more parity, it seems like, um, you know, in the state of high school football right now. So it's been a fun start, and I think we're going to be even in for some more fun as we uh, we hit November and, and into the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, it, it certainly uh, it makes for interesting conversation every uh, you know after every weekend to kind of see which which of those teams that that you talked about uh, impressed the most and sort of maybe has swayed a few people over to their uh, to their side of the uh, thinking. Kind of going along with that, not to uh, you know sort of make you uh, tip your hand here, but just kind of in general, what what team has impressed you the most this season? Maybe either that you've seen or just uh, in general, sort of what, what camp are you in maybe uh, as at the moment? Well, the, the team I'm voting number one in my poll since the preseason is in Southington. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we knew they'd have a lot of parts coming back. Of course, had some replacing to do with Stephen Barmore, the quarterback, uh, who, who's down at Yale now. And Jason Rose has been phenomenal. I mean, we were looking to see, all right, who's going to be the, the best quarterback now that a pretty great class uh, of them has graduated. And Rose is a guy who we didn't even know about, and all of a sudden he's coming out and throwing for 300 yards and five, six touchdowns a night. It's been amazing to watch him. And uh, Southington looks, they're getting better every week, and they look very much the part of a number one team. Um you know, I think my number two team right now is New Canaan. Mm-hmm. We didn't think they would be quite this good. A lot of folks didn't even think they'd be Daniel Hand in week one, and right. here they come, keep winning ball games. Um, they'll get tested down the stretch here. So, it, to, to a large degree, it's the usual suspects. Ansonia is another team where you know I I had them right at the bottom of my top ten to start the season because they lost Arkell Newsom and their entire offensive line. And you know, Ansonia should say Ansonia. They just keep winning. And uh, they're going to get the chance to prove it here against a really solid Newtown team. So, um, you know, it, it, as is the case a lot of times, it usually is the usual suspects. But, you know, you do get some surprises in there sometimes. And, uh, you know, that's what makes it the fun, the fun thing to watch. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so we'll sort of a two-part question. Just uh, best game you've seen this season and player that's impressed you the most uh, that you've seen this year? Uh, best game has definitely been Wolcott against Naugatuck uh, last week and in, in week five. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Naugatuck is a team that I, I had thought was absolutely the real deal, and I think they still are awfully good. I, I think they'll probably still make the playoffs and, and uh, have a chance to win when they get there. But Wolcott is one of those teams, again, that, that lost some guys from last year. I knew they had their quarterback and Vincent Campino back, but they lost again most of their offensive line, their running back two wide receivers, a lot of their defense. So they've, they've done a great job. And, and uh, the coaching staff and the kids, they all have a good sense of confidence. And they take whatever I have to say, put it on their bulletin <laughs> board, and go to work. And it was a great game the other night. And, and uh, nobody had been able to shut down Jason Bradley, who was in that conversation with Jason Rose as, as being one of the state's best quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And Wilkie came out, intercepted him three times, held him to below 50% passing, and came out with uh, with an upset win, and now Wolcott's a team, as you look ahead in, in Class M, which Class M looks awesome right now. St. Joe's and Wolcott and Brookfield and, and uh, other teams that, that really have a, a pretty good chance to win state titles. I think the one 
interesting about this, the way the playoffs are shaping up is there's a lot of pretty strong teams at the top this year. There's yeah. teams that, you know, who knows what's going to happen when we get there. A lot of times there's already a predetermined favorite, and uh, I think there are a lot of teams that, especially with the eight championships, a lot of different teams have a chance to win. But uh, the, 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 that was the best game that I've seen. In terms of a player, I mean, you, I think everyone looks at quarterbacks and, and you look at Jason Rose at Sellington, who's just been, I don't think anybody expected him to put up the numbers that he's putting up that really are even surpassing what Stephen Barmore did last year. Right. Um, you know, I, he, he just keeps jumping out at me as, as sort of the guy who who's uh, really picked up and elevated the level of play up at Southington. Yeah, you know, it's a, like you said, it seemed like if there was any area where Southington might drop off, it would be at that quarterback position, and that uh, right. doesn't seem to have been the case uh, so far this year. So, All right, so we've talked a little bit about you know some of the things you've seen uh, around, and then obviously one, part of the reason uh, we're, we're reaching out to you this week, uh, there is a big game in your neck of the woods uh, this, uh, this evening. We're talking on Friday uh, with Ansonia Newtown. So we'll sort of break this down maybe a little bit, and let me first say that the, uh, for fans who want to get ready for the game, the uh, Republican American has done a great job with blowout coverage of this one. So you can see a lot of Kyle's, uh, Kyle's thoughts uh, online at the uh, Republican American Red Zone. Uh, encourage fans to check that out. But um, sort of start with Ansonia. Now, you mentioned, you know, they kind of started, I guess maybe that this year, as, as much as maybe any year recently, they entered the year with some questions, you know, about them and, and sort of people weren't quite sure what they were going to be. How has it sort of been that they've, you know, been able to be as successful this year, you know, with maybe some of those questions? Were we just, were we a little too suspicious of them, or, or what exactly you think has sort of been the, the story with uh, the Chargers this season? No, I, I think the suspicion was warranted. It, it just comes down to all the time the Ansonia, they go by how good their offensive line is. And, and last year it was excellent with a veteran group. Mm-hmm. Um, it, this year... It was strange coming into the year because usually when Antonia graduates a group of four or five linemen, they reload with a bunch of sophomores, maybe some juniors, but they reloaded with four seniors this year, which kind of said to me, well, you know, what, this is, is this going to be a stopgap? What's the situation here? But they've really gotten better every single week, and, and it sounds cliche to say, but this is a different team right now than it was in the opener against Oxford. Mm-hmm. Um you know, they, they've got really good skill players still. We knew they had Jaquan McKnight coming back at quarterback. He can do so many different things. He's so athletic, and he can even pop a pass uh, when you're least expecting it. Uh, then you've got Tajik Bagley, Tyler Bailey. So they've got a, as good and as quick a three set of skill players there as you'll find anywhere. And the defense is really, really you know, just flying all around the, the ballpark, and, and that might be sort of the bread and butter of this team this year as it goes forward. You can never doubt the coaching staff here. Uh, Tom Brockett is, is so good. He, he's won almost 94% of his games sure. in nine years, <laughs> which is just absurd. Yep. Um, and, and his assistant coaches, they just have done it for years after years and decade after decade. And they know what they're doing. And, um, you know, so, so it's, in the end, maybe not such a surprise that they're exactly where they are right now. Yeah, no, it's certainly, it's been an interesting, you know, I I think it it seemed as though people came into the year just sort of saying, well, it has to slow down at some point, right? And uh, it just doesn't seem to to have happened, at least not uh, so far. And sort of interestingly, you know, I know, you know, you you sort of follow what the the media folks are saying, and there have been a few times this year where, 
it seemed at, at at least they went into games thinking at least this will be the game when they get challenged, and even that really hasn't happened. Is that sort of part of the intrigue for this uh, this week's contest? That this looks like really the the time where we may get to see them in a in an, in a pressure packed kind of game and and see how they respond. Yeah, you'd like to think so. Anyway, I mean, I still think that Seymour should have given them a game. I, I still had no idea what what Seymour came out and did. It just mm. it came out just flat from the start and. And uh, once you get behind against Antonia, it's so hard to, to really come back, rally, and reestablish yourself. Um, I think Newtown does know what to expect. I think they saw that sort of uh, the hype for that Seymour game, and, and they saw how an opponent can fall flat and, and just be dominated like that. And this, I get the sense that this is not the sort of Seymour uh, Newtown team that that's going to uh, do the same. Um, you know, it does have a lot of seniors. It does have an unfortunate uh, absence here. It looks like Troy Frangione, their top receiver, is going to miss the game with an illness, which really changes the Nighthawks' offense. He's been the flanker on Julian Dunn's side. Uh, mm-hmm. Julian Dunn, the, the all-state tight end, who's just phenomenal and uh, can change uh, an entire offense. Frangione has been getting one-on-one looks when, when teams are doubling Dunn, and he's been paying off big time. Yeah. And uh, he's going to miss, so Newtown's going to have to change some some things. They're going to have to plug a, a receiver in on that side and and uh, try to make things work. Um, but I do get the sense that Newtown is going to be the team that at least really challenges them. They've got a shot to win. Um, you know, they're going to have to do some things right. When it comes down to playing Ansonia, it's just all about tackling and staying on your assignment. I mean. These coaches, they all say, hey, play assignment football, you know, make sure you right. do your job, stay in your place. And Sonia makes it tough to do that. They, you, you feel like you've got to do more than you usually have to do against them. And, you know, you'll, you'll get faked out in a misdirection. You'll, you'll try to help uh, on the other side rather than staying. And Antonio comes back to, to the weak side of the play. It's just they're, they're frustrating to play if you're a defense. And you just got to tackle when you got the opportunities. Yeah, no, it's a uh, like you said, it's it's an interesting. It does seem that there's uh, some of the teams, you know, maybe not to to dismiss them, but just that they've, you know, that they come in so not overwhelmed, but just so you know, sort of thinking about too many things and trying to do too much to to be the team that knocks them off, and uh, and we'll see if Newtown is uh, is able to uh, t- to avoid that uh, that that scenario tonight. Um, you know, I, I guess, and I'm not quite sure how to frame this question, but I guess it at least just ask for your perspective on it. It seems that, you know, in, in the few years that I've been in Connecticut, you know, the, the sort of question, uh, if there is one about Ansonia, and I think everyone knows that they're a, an outstanding program, but even last year, as you said, when it was sort of the debate between Ansonia or New Canaan was, you know, well, Ansonia, as good as they are, they're an S school, and, and you know, they don't know how they would match up against, you know, the double L powerhouse team. And now you sort of get that chance against Newtown. Uh, you know, obviously we're not entirely sure how good Newtown is, but we know they're a very strong team. Is that to you sort of one of the interesting things we're looking at tonight to uh, to sort of see, you know, you get a little bit of a measuring stick for both of these teams? Yeah, I think so. And and Newtown knows how good Ansonia is, so it's really as much a measuring stick for them. Mm-hmm. And and both these teams are always in the same boat. Ansonia's from, from the NBL and, and uh, Newtown's from the FWC. And, and usually, for the most part, I think those conferences are pretty much on the same plane. And they have to listen to to the stuff from uh, the fans in the FCC and the, the fans in the FCAC about hey, 
you know, you guys, you don't play much of a schedule. You play one or two good teams a year and, mm-hmm. and this and that. And, and for Newtown, if you get to the playoffs and you play teams from these two conferences and you end up losing. So these, they, they all, they know what, what, what the case is and they know how important this game could be to changing that. And I think to a large degree, some of that is nonsense. There's some truth to it. I mean, Newtown has lost in the playoffs the last couple of years after. Uh, blowing through the regular season, and Ansonia really doesn't get a chance to get challenged very often, especially during this particular winning streak, which yeah. uh, obviously they could tie Cheshire's all-time streak uh, with a win tonight. Um, you know, so even when one of these two teams does win tonight, it's still going to exist. One's going to say to the other, well, if Newtown wins, well, they should have beaten Ansonia. They're a double L school. <laughs> right. You know, now let's see how they do when they get to the playoffs and play real teams. Yeah. If Ansonia beats Newtown, it's well, of course, Newtown wasn't any good. Now you're not going to get challenged the rest of the year anyway. Come play someone real. So yeah. it's just it's a never it's a there's a no win situation to some degree. I don't think these teams care all that much about it, nor should they. Sure, but uh, you know that's just kind of the way that discussion goes to some degree sometimes, which is a little bit unfortunate. But at the same time, that's how sports goes. It's you know, how would this team fare against this team? It's it's how you compare the the. 2007 Patriots to the you know 85 Bears. It's just it, it'll never happen, but it's it's it is what kind of keeps it alive. Yeah, no. Until we have that uh, that parallel universe where we uh, everybody <laughs> plays everybody forever, we'll, uh, we're we're not going to be able to uh, to answer a lot of those questions. But as you say, yeah, it certainly certainly adds uh, you know a few more interesting elements to the uh, to the contest tonight. So, Kyle Brennan, uh, we appreciate your uh, your insight. I know you'll be uh, calling the game tonight. You will be there, and uh, and as I said, lots of great stuff online and uh, in the Republican American uh, covering this game, and good stuff all over the place about this game. It is one that uh, at the beginning of the year I know people had on their on their calendars if everything played out would be be a game to watch and it and it seems like everything has played out exactly as uh, as people wanted and uh, it is now a game to watch so hope folks will uh, will check it out and uh, enjoy the game tonight and we thank you for joining us hey thanks so much always a pleasure our thanks to Kyle for being with us. Love hearing his perspective on what should be a fun weekend of high school football. Moving along now, there's been a lot of sportsmanship issues, as there often is in sportsmanship discussions going on around the state of late, and this gentleman has uh, has written quite a bit about some of that. So we wanted to get in touch with him and, and talk a little bit about sportsmanship and have a nice uh, discussion about what can be done, what are some of the things, some of the challenges that schools face in this regard, and just hear his thoughts on the topic. So we reach out to Mike DeMar, of the Day of New London. Very happy to be joined now by Mike DeMauro of the, the New London Day, and he's wrote a, uh, a column recently on some sportsmanship issues in, uh, in high school sports, which I know is something that uh, he is very passionate about, so we wanted to bring him on to, uh, to talk a little bit about the issue. Mike, thanks for being with us. Thanks for... Thanks for Thanks for thinking of me, Joel. Absolutely. No, I know this is uh, an issue that uh, is is pretty passionate one for you and I think is for a lot of folks involved in high school sports. So why don't you start off just by talking a little bit about sort of what the recent column was about uh, for folks who, who didn't see it and what sort of issues uh, came to the forefront for you uh, w- with what you wrote recently. Well, it was stemming from the, uh, the fourth quarter of a, a game, a high school football game, Friday night, uh, Friday night the 10th between um, Middletown High and Hartford Public. Mm-hmm. Uh, Middletown had a 51-12 to lead going into the fourth quarter, 
and uh, uh, Middletown coach uh, Sal uh, Morello removed all of his uh, starters from the game. Actually, mm-hmm. he had taken his two best players out in the third quarter, uh, but they were all gone by the start of the fourth, and he put the JVs in there, and um, that's when Hartford's public decided to keep its its varsity mm-hmm. in there against the other team's JVs and started to and started to score. Right. Not to really threaten the outcome of of the game, uh, but it got so bad that um, Middletown had the ball with maybe 30 seconds left, uh, maybe a minute left, and um, uh, Middletown's JV quarterback was taking a knee, was taking a knee, and uh, Hartford Public called all three of its timeouts right. during that during that span so they could get the ball back and score again. Mm-hmm. And I know the Middletown coaches were, were very upset, Um Number one, that um, you know they they, they they felt like they're what were they going to do? Leave the, the, the varsity in, and they're going to get accused of running up the score. Take the, the varsity out, and you have smaller, less physical JV kids in mm-hmm. there against the other team's varsity. Yeah. So uh, I wrote that it really stopped being Middletown's responsibility once once Sal removed his starters. Then I think it becomes a Hartford Public's responsibility to take its starters out also. Uh, so you have J- JVs going up against JVs, and I think it's a safer, more, more level playing field for everybody. Mm-hmm. Now, I agree, not everybody is going to see it that way. Sure. But I, I think these are the kinds of things that we need we need to talk about at the adult level. Right. It seems like every sportsmanship uh, uh, conference that I've 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 been to, the kids are doing a lot of the of the talking, which is fine. I mean, ultimately, our jobs are to teach them. Right. But I think in in this case, when uh, uh, opinions vary so much um, on this kind of a, a particular issue, I think we need to bring in c- coaches and ADs and, and at least get them thinking about, about hey, the score is 51 to, t- 51 to 12. Mm-hmm. The other guy just took his starters out. Now it's my, res- now it's, it's, it's my responsibility to, to take out mine. Right. Uh, again, not not everybody's going to see it that way, but I think we need I think we need to get this stuff out out in the out in the in the open because it happens it happens in basketball. Team is up by thirty going to the fourth quarter. Uh, the team that's in the lead puts the puts the puts the JVs in, and they get pressed by the other team's varsity. I mean, you had three quarters to, to, to figure out a, a way t- to win the game. Now you're going to flex your muscles against the other team's, you know, against the other team's second string. Right. Uh, same thing in baseball. You're down ten to, to, to ten to one in the eighth. The other team's starters are out, and and you're and you're stealing bases. Right. You know, and, and and again, it, it seems like in these. 
in these kind of situations, the onus is always on the team in the lead. Yeah. Be sportsmanlike. Take your starters out. Well, I want to know what responsibility does the losing team have in this? And I think they have some. Sure. Yeah. No, it's, I think it's, I think it, you know, what are the reasons I wanted to talk to you? Because I think it's an interesting discussion and I think it's, you know, I, I agree, you know, we tend to focus on the team that, that's winning big, um, you know, and maybe talk, don't talk enough about not whether it's the losing team or just the sort of spirit of what, you know, what is, what is happening in general, you know, that the, if, if you sort of have both teams, you know, trying to behave in a sportsman like fashion, you can sort of hopefully judge and, and get the sense of what the, the proper thing to do would be. I, I'm curious just from your perspective, you know, and I know you've been writing a lot about this or, you know, you've had some, some topics lately. Did, how would you say, you know, sportsmanship is trending, uh, you know, in, in high school sports specifically? Um, you know, I know we hear obviously about the negative things, but, you know, is it, do you think that they are becoming more common? Do you think it's, it's status quo? What's your sort of sense on, you know, what, what sort of direction and, and how things are going in that way? Um, I think high school sports are becoming more insincere. Uh, every day, and and what and what I mean by that, Joel, is I think we are teaching the kids that sportsmanship equals the post game handshake line, mm-hmm. which, if you've ever seen one, is the is the least sincere thing that happens during the, during during the during the course of a game. Sure. Uh, there's no very little eye contact. It's it's slapping hands and and, and speaking in a, 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 a monotone. Mm-hmm. The game, the game, the game. Yep. I, I mean, to me, I would rather see no handshake line and and leave it to the kids who actually want to shake hands after to go up to 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 the other coach or the other team and say, hey, you guys did a really good job. Right. Nice game. To me, that would, that, would, that would mean something. Now, I know that, that you know, that's going to produce a lot of, um, you know, uh, many of the kids who don't shake hands at all, but given the number of fights that I've seen uh, e- erupt because uh, uh, of the handshake line, I'm not sure that's such a, a bad alternative. And, and I, I just, I, I, I guess what I'm saying, Joel, is I would like the kids to, to, to understand that sportsmanship is not just this perfunctory act that adults make us do. Sure. It's something that should be sincere. Yeah. And, and I really don't see a lot of that now. I, I, I think we're, we're, allowing the, we're allowing the handshake line to, to sort of be the to be all end all and i don't think it's it's even close yeah no i I could see it's sort of you know i think if anything that should be a starting point maybe you know but that certainly shouldn't be the the end of the the end of the process um you know in terms of trying to you know encourage kids and and coaches for that for that matter uh my old my old boss used to say that he felt that the 95 percent of the issues would come from the the coaches and fans as opposed to the students who generally speaking want to be you know 
generally speaking, do behave the, the, the proper way. Um, no, I, I just wrote about a, a big uh, post-game fight a couple weeks ago between Plainfield and uh, uh, New London that was, that was all, that was all fan-driven. Mm-hmm. The kids were fine. Yeah. So, you know, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, but again, you know, we can't educate everybody. Sure. You know, I yeah. think we got to, we got to, we got to start with the kids and stick with them. Yeah. No, I, and I think, you know, in talking to, and I'm, I'm just curious for your sort of perspective on this, I've talked to, you know, and I've been dealing with sportsmanship issues, you know, previously in my previous stop was in, was in college athletics and it's, it's an, you know, it's a discussion topic everywhere. It's not limited to high school sports, certainly, but you know, I'm, the, the the thing that I've always found with sportsmanship that makes it such a a tricky you know sort of uh, issue is that so often all you can do or or what ends up being the solutions are reactive you know it, it's okay these fans are misbehaving tell your athletic director to eliminate you know to to kick those fans out or you know this this student misbehaved so we'll we'll punish them after the fact you know that there's so much and that's all you know necessary that certainly um, you know, things that have to happen after they've happened. And that's how you try to encourage better behavior is by, you know, reacting to the, to the behavior that's happened. But it seems like it's such a challenge to find ways to be proactive on the issue. Um, and I guess I'm sort of curious what you think about that and what you sort of think is the best way to address that, to be proactive rather, rather than reactive uh, when it comes to well, sportsmanship. Well, I, I, yeah, that's why, Joe, I would like to bring the adults together and, mm-hmm. Talk about this. Yeah. Well, off the top of my head, I don't know, but I think if if you got some coaches in the room together, mm-hmm. at least the ones who wouldn't roll their eyes at at having to talk about this this uh, this 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 stuff, mm-hmm. and I do think there is an appreciable number who think that this this is a a a, a Waste of their uh, of their uh, of their time. Sure, I think we can talk. You know, I, I'm not sure. Well, I I don't know. Um, uh, but I would like to sure sit down and explore. You know, just let's uh, let's brainstorm. I don't know. I'm, I mean, I, I I don't know. You know, I, I in the old days, I I can't tell you how many how many g- g- columns I wrote about why are we trying. To, to legislate sportsmanship. Right. And now I think maybe that's the only way that it's ever going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Which no. is sad. Yeah. No, I think and that's, you know, that gets to the heart, I think, of what I was saying. It's, you know, the I think the, the thought has been, well, if you just keep trying to stamp out the issues after they happen, eventually, you know, you'll stamp out enough that the sort of good behavior will shine through. And I'm not sure that necessarily uh gets us anywhere it's certainly you know and again you have to do it that way sometimes but you hope that there's a a proactive approach too that 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 can be found so um well i certainly uh certainly appreciate you uh you know getting out in touch with us and and hopefully we've got uh i was struck by your column because we actually have our our sportsmanship conference uh that the ciac puts on it's one of our bigger events and i know one of the and this speaks a little bit to what you were saying but hopefully it can still lead to some positive is that one of the 
the goals this time is to have the students actually sit and, and do some roundtabling and kind of try to come up with some guidelines and some, some ideas, yeah. and maybe that at least can, can start the conversation for some adults, too, uh, to, uh, to see what, um, what's on the horizon and, and how maybe we can address some of this stuff. So hopefully the, uh, if you have any ideas, feel free to, uh, to pass them along, and, sure and the students will, uh, will get a jumping-off point. So, Mike, we uh, appreciate you uh, taking a few minutes to chat with us about this and uh, appreciate your insights. Thanks for, thanks for having me on, Joel. Finishing up our guest this week, we thank Mike for being with us. Really enjoyed that uh, that conversation with him and getting his perspective on the sportsmanship challenges that uh, face our high school athletic programs. Now we're going to mix things up a little bit and uh, not have a media member. We don't often reach out to the coaching ranks for our CIAC cast guests, but we do like to do it on occasion. In this case, we thought it would be a good way to preview the upcoming cross-country divisional championships, which, as I mentioned, will be one week from tomorrow. If you're listening to this on Friday, the day it posts, it will be Saturday, October 25th, will be those divisional championships. And this man will have his team competing that day. This is Dave Foss, the boys cross-country coach at Newtown High School. He's going to help us talk a little cross-country. Very happy to be joined now by Dave Foss, who is the boys cross-country coach for Newtown High School, and uh, along with that happens to be an old friend of mine. So we reached out to him to, uh, to offer some perspective on the cross-country championships, which are coming up in just a little over a week at Wickham Park. So, Dave, thanks very much for being with us. Well, thank you for, uh, thank you for having me. Very uh, was was looking around trying to think who could I talk to to uh, to get the the folks ready for the cross country championships and said I'll dial up my old uh, my old friend Dave uh, and and see what he's got to say so we'll uh, we'll start things off here just from uh, the coaching perspective obviously uh, unfortunately you're uh, in the midst of some rescheduling of your your league cross country championship meet which uh, the weather wreaked a little havoc across the state yesterday but at this time of year sort of what's your approach. Uh, uh, as a coach to kind of get your team ready either for your league championships or then going forward towards the, uh, the CIAC divisional championships, which will be coming up next weekend. Well, that's, this is, uh, the, you know, the, the thing that a coach does, I guess, uh, in the training, um, you know, but typically you, uh, you go from earlier in the season where you have, uh, not a lot of rest and sort of slower intervals. Uh, what I like, what I call when other people call threshold, uh, and we go to more of a, uh, we go where you send the kids on shorter, faster, not necessarily shorter, but faster uh, intervals mm-hmm. uh, and a little bit more rest. And hopefully that leads to a little bit of a, uh, um, uh, a sort of a peaking effect, I guess you could say. And at the same time, you sort of, uh, yeah, they're sort of running a little less each week, uh, a little less mileage and that sort of a thing. And, uh, and, um, and at the same time, you try to keep them mentally sharp, you know, it's, uh, it's a bit of a juggling act there at the end of a season. So, uh, but that, that's, that's kind of my, my general philosophy, I guess you could say. You, you talk, and I'm curious sort of particularly about, you know, the mental aspect. Obviously, you know, there's, it's a long season, um, and you want the, the team to sort of, obviously you want them to be competitive throughout the year. You know, you don't want to just have them thinking that the only meets that matter are at the end of the season, but then obviously you do want them, you know, particularly geared up for the for the championships uh you know championship season if you will so what's what are some approaches or or sort of strategies that you try to employ to to keep that mental you know acuity going or you know particularly this time of year how do you sort of try to to make sure that they're focused and maybe not too keyed up for the uh for the big races at the end of the year well well, it's funny you mentioned too keyed up because sometimes you know 
you know, with a lot of sports, you, you think of like the, uh, you know, the, you know, win one for the Gipper kind of speech, and mm-hmm. uh, that can, you don't want to go crazy with that. You don't want to get kids pumped up the day before, or, or you know, so geared up that they're, you know, they're they're going out too fast in a championship race or something like that. But, sure. um, uh, you know, I try to keep, um, you know, I think when you do bring some faster intervals, and and I and I try to keep. Uh, sort of the competitive aspect involved, whether it be, you know, it's always an open, uh, you know, varsity seven lineup is always kind of open for, uh, uh, you know, you got to be running well if you want to stay in it kind of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all the way down to kind of like, uh, you know, you're running this 400 or an 800 or something like that and go and, you know, uh, you know, you know, try to instill that sort of competitive spirit there and, um, you know, have them, you know that I think that competitive urge in their mind is, can be uh, can sort of keep them in it a little bit mentally as well. So yeah, so sort of play on their 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 natural competitiveness a little bit at least, or hope to. Uh, Absolutely, as, yeah, that's that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, you know, obviously you you've been uh, at Newtown for a number of years and and ran cross country yourself in uh, the state of Connecticut. Uh, Quite a few years ago, we won't say how long ago, but uh, the uh, you know obviously you're familiar with the Wickham Park uh, Championship Course, which is where uh, the championships have been for for quite a few years. Is there anything specific to that course that you sort of try to to work on with your team, or you know that your knowledge that you kind of try to bring to bear in terms of getting your guys ready for for that race? Is there anything sort of particular to Wickham Park that you do in terms of preparations? Uh, I mean, Wickham Park is a is such a wonderful place uh i mean it's just it's, this time of year it's absolutely beautiful and uh but uh as, as far as the race i, I mean i just uh, i sort of try to instill that it's just a, such a treat to run there you know mm-hmm. um and but but yeah absolutely the course is unique and um you know you got big crowds and it and it funnels down into a in sort of a bottleneck within what about 400 meters or so of the start so that's always a bit of a challenge and um you know that balance of going out too fast and and yet not getting yourself caught up in the in the bottleneck and, and whatever and uh, and then of course there it's 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 up and down and it's uh, it's a challenging course at the same time so yeah. uh, one uh, you know the the green monster you know I think people have different nicknames for the hill there but uh, <laughs> you know and I I mean I, I like to kind of take them through the course and say you know here's here's how I would uh, would look at this course and. Um, you know, in, in certain spots to, to hit it hard, like uh, like I try to instill, you know, going up that that big hill. You know, it's not necessarily the beginning of that hill; it's, it's sort of the uh, uh, the second half of that hill and, and a little bit beyond. That's it's sort of a, a can be a key if you're running neck and neck with somebody at the, towards the end of the race there. Right. Yeah. Uh, and of course, the end, even the end, you know, the last 400 meters is a bit of a beast. You got kind of like a a, a challenging uphill segment there, and so. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's a fantastic cross country course, and uh, it does take me back to the day when I <laughs> when I ran there. Yes, indeed. That uh, we, we, again, we won't say how long ago that was. If folks want to look through the records and look for the name Dave Foss from Newtown High School, they could possibly find that. Um, you probably have to. You probably have to dig a bit. Yeah, dig a bit. That's okay. Um, so I, just uh, since we we're, we're here with you, talk a little bit about uh, about the Newtown team. How's the how's your team shaping up? I know you are the boys' coach, but obviously you're probably also familiar with the girls' team. What's uh, what's your sort 
sort of prospects, and how are you feeling heading into uh, championship season with your squad? Well, yeah, um, I mean, I think we have a very competitive team. Um, uh, we sort of uh, we're in a little bit of a rebuilding mode for for a year or so after uh, Jake Feinstein and Mitchell Russo uh, and, and among others uh, graduated, but. Uh, uh, I think we're, we're we're getting we're working our way back. We have a great, uh, very talented freshman class, and uh, uh, sprinkled that in with some some really good experienced runners. And uh, you know, I think we can hopefully make some noise here in SWCs today, and uh, maybe um, uh, even a double L next week next yeah. weekend. Yeah. So you know, we uh, we've gotten into a little bit of uh, sort of specifics on how you approach things, but uh, certainly do want to uh, to tap into your expertise and and your awareness of what's going on around the state with cross country as we uh, we look ahead to the championships next weekend. Uh, you know, maybe starting on the boys' side, what what has sort of jumped out at you from what you've seen this year? Uh, you know, in competing and and going against a a lot of the the strong teams that maybe people will be looking for next weekend. What what it sort of stands out to you? Uh, Heading into next weekend uh, in in the state of cross country in Connecticut this uh, this fall. Well, I think the number one thing you look at is you look at that double L race, and it is absolutely stacked. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it typically is on uh, the boys' side the most competitive, um, and this year is no exception to that. I, I mean, even uh, there have definitely been years where eight or eight or nine of the top ten teams come from double L, and uh, I mean you're looking at basically that same same kind of deal this year. Um, uh, I mean, just immensely competitive. I mean, if you look at the the coaches' poll, uh, you've got, I believe, uh, eight out of ten, uh, plus the next couple of teams as well that are in that race. Sure. Um, and I think you're looking at, uh, I mean, any one of those top teams is probably um, fairly competitive to, to to do some some really good things. Ridgefield, Danbury, Amity, Staples, all. Uh, are all just, uh, you know, and, and then there's some teams after that that are also going to be competitive as well. So uh, I think that's the, the number one thing that jumps out at, at you if you start looking at, at how things are going to shake out next mm-hmm. Saturday. Yeah. Um, the L race is also an interesting race. you got two teams, uh, uh, New Milford and Darien, that are going to be, that are, that are I think going to be somewhat neck and neck there. Yeah. Um, and then a third team sprinkled in hand that could have, uh, some impact on that race as well. Um, so, I, I mean, those are the things that sort of jump out at me when I'm looking at at those at the team competition, anyway. Sure. Yeah. What about uh, what about individuals? Have there been anyone that's really uh, impressed you this year that you've seen uh, kind of in in your travels uh, around the state? Uh, well, I mean, you certainly have. Um, uh, you know, I might be. I, I, I want to apologize in advance because I might be missing some people, but Ari Clow from Paul. Has won uh, a couple of races, uh, including, um, I believe, his Wickham race last uh, at the invite last weekend. Um, Kyle Bodette from Amity um, also should be in the mix. Uh, you, you, you could potentially have a couple of Ridgefield and uh, uh, Darien runners that are going to really be um, the, some of the individuals to, to look at as well. Mm-hmm. Um, um, would be my guess there. Uh, it, so, it, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, and then Spencer Brown from Wilton as well. I can't leave him out. He's definitely a very talented runner that yeah. should be up there. So, when when you're looking at you know, and this is sort of bouncing back a little bit to your to your sort of coaching perspective, but w- when you're looking at you know going into a meet like this, do you 
I, I'm not sure how to phrase the question. Are you? Are, how do you sort of project what what you're looking for? Or, you know, when you're talking to your team, obviously, you know, you can line up times and and sort of say, okay, you know, uh, we want our first runner, you know, to be around here or second runner here. How do you sort of approach that? Do you talk about that specifically with your team? Sort of say, you know, okay, we need guys, you know, within. X number of places with each other. How do you sort of talk to them and how do you kind of, you know, it's, I'm always curious because it's one of those things where, you know, you've got everyone, you can see everyone's times that they've run throughout the year going in to the meet. So there's some, you know, projection you can kind of do, but obviously there's a lot of variables too. So how do you sort of approach that or do you just sort of leave that, you know, not get into that as much with your team? You know, it does, it depends on the team and it depends on the meet, but, um, you know, when I've had some very competitive teams and, you know, top flight runners and, and stuff like that. I will talk about uh, individual teams and oh, individual. You know, where they might even stack up against individual runners. You know, mm-hmm. when you have a guy like, like for instance, a couple of years back with Jake Feinstein, um, you can, um, you know, he knows the people that are all going to be around him. You know, he knows. Uh, you know, unless there's somebody who comes out of the out of the blue, right? Uh, he pretty much knows like uh, who he's going to be competitive with. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you have that top flight team, you can almost you can almost see kind of and uh, you know I I, do, I tell my runners when I have that type of a team look for this team you know they're we know they're going to be uh, have a bunch of runners up there and because uh, um, sometimes in a in a big race like this looking for something familiar is uh, I I think can be a big a big help you know like sure. finding uh, okay you you know you might I might even tell them to look for conference foes that might be close to them like a new Milford runner that. Um, that they've run close to or something like that, uh, just so that because sometimes it's just a gauge of like, you know, wow, this race feels fast, but uh, I'm sitting here right with the guy that I'm normally next to. You know, that that sort of a thing can be sometimes can be helpful, I, I think. Sure. Um, but when you're looking in it, when you're really in the mix from a team standpoint, yeah, I mean, I definitely uh, say, you know, uh, Danbury's gonna have, has, should have a couple of runners up there. You need to, you need to, you need to look for them and. Uh, that sort of a thing. Right. Uh, when I, you know, the other strategy, of course, when I have a team, probably more like this year, uh, when I get to double L's, I'll probably, uh, you know, sort of encourage pack running, basically, sort of the pack mentality of, mm-hmm. you know, the we don't necessarily have a front runner this year, but um, uh, just you know, when the first guy gets in, if the, if the fifth guy is in, and the faster that fifth guy can be after him means less points, basically, for your team. So right. uh, to encourage that sort of pack mentality and just, um, you know, your your the, the the distance between your one and your five or your one and your seven can be uh, something that, that's a nice focal point as well. Gotcha. Over the course of the season. Yeah. Is that uh, kind of what you meant, or? Yeah, no, certainly. Uh, it's it's interesting. It's interesting to me. Just it seems that there's a lot of you know a lot of moving parts, obviously. But it's also interesting in that you can really sort of you know you can look at the field and sort of say, okay, here's what's happened at least so far this year. You know, where do we kind of fit into that mix and and, yeah. and sort of to yeah, it's more difficult the further down you are down the list you are, and it's more to, like that double L race is going to be difficult because there's so many good teams with so many good runners in it that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, people are just coming in in a mile a minute, so um, so that can that just adds to uh, <laughs> the confusion and the and the challenge of that race. You know? Sure. So. 
How about uh, and and going back now just to a little bit of uh, a little bit of preview mode from our our coach here. Uh, you know, obviously, as I said, you're the the boys' coach, but at least familiar with some of the the girls' uh, competitors around the state. What uh, what stands out to you from the the girls' cross country perspective as we head towards the divisional championships? Well, uh, yeah, I think that the team that really stands out at this point is uh, I'm in you know just sort of talking to the girls' coach and looking at some results and stuff like that. Seems to be talent. Uh, they seem to have uh, uh, have some pretty good races under the belt, and they really seem to have a solid, solid, uh, solid five there. Um, uh, they will be challenged by another team that's that's been pretty solid this year, Suffield in the M race, mm-hmm. um, and that's going to be uh, that makes that one a nice a nice competitive field. You know, the girls are much more spread out amongst the classes, so right. uh, that makes it uh, you know they're competitive boys races as well but the girls races kind of have ranked teams in almost every almost every division so yeah. uh, that's going to make it interesting there you know M, you've got avon and uh, potentially new fairfield uh l has uh, got three teams that are i think going to be chomping at the bit there darian wilton mercy uh and double l uh, has got a number of teams as well glastonbury ridgefield staples all in the mix along with some some others right below them as well yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting, you know, it's it's we certainly love the cross country championships. If nothing, it's because of the the diversity. You know, you're we're, we're crowning, you know, six team champions along with uh, you know, several obviously individual champions in in each race. So there's a lot a lot going on. It's a very full day of uh, of championships uh, at the uh, the class meet. So uh, we we hope folks will uh, will go out and as Dave said, it's a it's a great course to uh, to watch and and certainly a, a real good test of uh, of runners uh, at the state championships. Anything else that uh, that stands yeah, out to you? If, if, if from a spectator standpoint, it's great. I mean, you're just getting th- things are happening a mile a minute. You're getting this race go off and hearing the results from run races. One another race is going off, and it's uh, it's a lot of. I mean, the the, the class championship day is uh, it's an action packed day. I, I would. Um, and it's a, a wonderful place to watch, of course, too. I mean, you just can't beat it. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, Dave Foss, we uh, we greatly appreciate uh, you being our uh, our unofficial cross country correspondent uh, as we head into the championships, and we're we're really looking forward to it. As you said, it's a great uh, a great fun day. Hopefully, the weather will cooperate uh, as it did not for you in, in sabotaging your family vacation for the weekend. But we'll uh, <laughs> we'll hope that that's not the case next weekend, and we get some 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 good favorable temperatures. And, and a clear day and, and some excellent running. So, good yeah, luck to you, uh, to you and your uh, your Newtown runners. And uh, we thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you. It was a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Thank you to my good friend Dave Foss for being with us and offering his perspective. Love getting a little bit of a of an inside look at the mindset of a coach as we head into championship season, particularly in a sport where maybe the uh, the coaching gets a little overlooked. Obviously, the athletes are out there running uh, for the, uh, themselves, and there's not a lot of coaching that goes on during the meet, but interesting perspective to hear what he's had to say about getting ready for the state open and what's uh what's standing out to him around the state in the world of cross country this season that's going to do it for this edition of the ciac cast we thank all of our guests for being with us kyle brennan mike demaro and dave foss appreciate all of their insights and we appreciate you checking out another edition of the ciac cast once again you can always follow us on twitter 
at CIAC Sports, Facebook.com slash CIAC Sports, and of course, CIACSports.com, your one-stop shop for the world of high school sports, schedules, results, everything you might want. It's all there on CIACSports.com. So we thank you once again for being with us. I am Joel Cookson. Have yourself a great week, and we'll be back in two weeks with yet another edition of the CIAC Cast.